Hey everyone, it's Millie. It's Gabby. And welcome back to another week of Change by Degrees. <laughs> we really got through the first part. Okay. <clears throat> um, you already know. <laughs> okay, it's not just me. It's you two. You ruined it, dude. It's uh... episode... Oh, can we start over here? <laughs> no, 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 I'm gonna get through. It's episode, it's episode. It's like Wait, nails on a chalkboard trying to get through. This is like... So painful. Okay, okay, okay. So just like, okay. Did I press record? <laughs> if you did, we just stared at the camera for like a solid five seconds. Oh, I did. Okay. Okay. Start so, over. Just start over. Because <clears throat> me and you were both like, when you're like, did I press record? And we we're both like, <laughs> for like five seconds. Um. Hey everyone, it's Millie. It's Gabby. And welcome back to another week of Change by Degrees. Um, this is like the fourth time trying this intro. As you wipe so, tears. As from... I wipe tears. Okay. <sighs> it's episode 85. Uh, what was this thing called again? The Fall of the, the Fall, House of The Fall Usher. of the House of Usher. Um, and we're going to do Cont- part two. We're going to continue. Continue and this is, on. This is it. This is the end. This is it. So we have yeah. to find out. We ended on Never Ending Gloom. Yep. We're in and the middle of part two, technically. In the story. Aren't we such great readers? That's what we were talking about. Uh, oh, how good we are Somebody contact, contact us for an audiobook. If we're going to be an audible, like the... <laughs> like not being able to read. Gabby's page reloading. <clears throat> it, um, I hope it doesn't happen this time. If no, it does, okay. you're going to have to... You have I'll try to, it. I'll try to get you. Get you. If I pause awkwardly, you what? know. Just I don't keep, know, just dude. Keep, Me, just I pause go. just because I'm like... My brain resets. Um, oh, okay. We're just going to get right into it and then we're going to talk about it afterwards so if you didn't listen to part one you're gonna be confused so go back and listen to that and then come please come do. back here please do uh scene i shall always remember the hours i spent with the master of the house of usher yet i would fail in any attempt to give an idea of the true character of the things we did together there was a strange light over everything the paintings which he made made me tremble though i know not why to tell of them is beyond the power of written words. If ever a man painted an idea, that man was Roderick Usher. For me, at least, there came out of his pictures a sense of fear and wonder. One of these pictures may be told, although weakly, in words. It showed the inside of a room where the dead might be placed, with low walls, white and plain. It seemed to be very deep under the earth. There was no doubt, no door, no window, and no light or fire burned. Yet a river of light flowed through it, filling it with a horrible, ghastly brightness. I have spoken of that sickly condition of the senses, which made most music painful for Usher to hear. The notes he could listen to with pleasure were very few. It was this fact, perhaps, that made the music he played so different from most music. But the wild beauty of his playing could not be explained. The words of one of his songs, called The Haunted Palace, I have easily remembered. In it I thought I saw, and for the first time, that Usher knew very well that his mind was weakening. This song told of a great house where a king lived, a palace, in a green valley, where all was light and color and beauty, and the air was sweet. In the palace were two bright windows through which people in that happy valley could hear music and could see smiling ghosts, spirits moving around the king. The palace door was of the richest materials, in red and white. Through it came other spirits whose only duty was to sing in their beautiful voices about how wise their king was. But a dark change came. 
The song continued, and now those who enter the valley see through the windows, in a red light, shapes that move to broken music, while through the door, now colorless, a ghastly river of ghosts, laughing but no longer smiling, rushes out forever. Our talk of this song led to another strange idea in Usher's mind. He believed that plants could feel and think, and not only plants, but rocks and water as well. He believed that the gray stones of his house and the small plants growing on the stones and the decaying trees had a power over him that made him what he was. Our books, the books which for years had fed the sick sick man's mind were, as might be supposed, of the same wild character. Some of these books Usher sat and studied for hours. His chief delight was found in reading one very old book written for some forgotten church telling of the watch over the dead. At last, one evening he told me that the Lady Madeline was alive no more. He said he was going to keep her body for a time in one of the many vaults inside the walls of the building. The worldly reason he gave for this was one with which I felt I had to agree. He had decided to do this because of the nature of her illness, because of the strange interest in questions of her doctors, and because of the great distance to the graveyard where members of his family were placed in the earth. We too carried her body to its resting place. The vault in which we placed it was small and dark, and in ages past it must have seen strange and bloody scenes. It lay deep below that part of the building where I myself slept. The thick door was of iron, and because of its great weight, made a loud, hard sound when it was opened and closed. As we placed the Lady Madeline in this room of horror, I saw for the first time the great likeness between brother and sister, and Usher told me that they were twins. They had been born on the same day. For that reason, the understanding between them had always been great, and the tie that held them together was very strong. We looked down at the dead face one last time, and I was filled with wonder. As she lay there, the Lady Madeline looked not dead, but asleep, still soft and warm, though to the touch cold as the stones around us. The Fall of the House of Usher, Part 3 I was visiting an old friend of mine, Roderick Usher, in his old stone house, his palace, where a feeling of death hung on the air. I saw how fear was pressing on his heart and mind. Now his only sister, the Lady Madeline, had died and we had put her body in its resting place, in a room inside the cold walls of the palace, a damp, dark vault, a fearful place. As we looked down upon her face, I saw that there was a strong likeness between the two. Indeed, said Usher, we were born on the same day, and the tie between us has always been strong. We did not long look down at her, for fear and wonder filled our hearts. There was still a little color in her face, and there seemed to be a smile on her lips. We closed the heavy iron door and returned to the rooms above, which were hardly less gloomy than the vault. And now a change came in the sickness of my friend's mind. He went from room to room with a hurried step. His face was, if possible, whiter and more ghastly than before, and the light in his eyes had gone. The trembling in his voice seemed to show the greatest fear. At times, he sat looking at nothing for hours, as if listening to some sound I could not hear. 
I felt his condition, slowly but certainly, gaining power over me. I felt that his wild ideas were becoming fixed in my own mind. As I was going to bed late in the night of the seventh or eighth day after we placed the Lady Madeline within the vault, I experienced the full power of such feelings. Sleep did not come. While the hours passed, my mind fought against the nervousness. I tried to believe that much, if not all, of what I felt was due to the gloomy room, to the dark wall coverings which an arising wind moved on the walls. But my efforts were useless. A trembling I could not stop filled my body, and fear without reason caught my heart. I sat up, looking into the darkness of my room, listening. I do not know why, to certain low sounds which came when the storm was quiet. A feeling of horror lay upon me like a heavy weight. I put on my clothes and began walking nervously around the room. I had been walking for a very short time when I heard a light step coming toward my door. I knew it was Usher. In a moment, I saw him at my door, as usual, very white, but there was a wild laugh in his eyes. Even so, I was glad to have his company. And have you not seen it, he said. He hurried to one of the windows and opened it to the storm. The force of the entering wind nearly lifted us from our feet. It was indeed a stormy but beautiful night and wildly strange. The heavy, low-hanging clouds which seemed to press down upon the house flew from all directions against each other, always returning and never passing away in the distance. With their great thickness, they cut off all the light from the moon and the stars. But we could see them because they were lighted from below by the air itself, which we could see rising from the dark lake and from the stones of the house itself. You must not, you shall not look out at this, I said to Usher as I led him from the window to a seat. This appearance, which surprises you, so has been seen in other places too. Perhaps the lake is the cause. Let us close this window, the air is cold. Here is one of the stories you like best. I will read and you shall listen, and thus we will live through this fearful night together. The old book which I had picked up was one written by a fool for fools to read, and it was not, in truth, one that Usher liked. It was, however, the only one within easy reach. He seemed to listen quietly. Then I came to a part of the story in which a man, a strong man, full of wine, begins to break down a door, and the sound of the dry wood as it breaks can be heard through all the forest around him. Here I stopped, for it seemed to me that from some very distant part of the house, sounds came to my ears like those of which I had been reading. It must have been this likeness that had made me notice them, for the sounds themselves, with the storm still increasing, were nothing to stop or interest me. I continued the story and read how the man, now entering through the broken door, discovers a strange and terrible animal of the kind so often found in these old stories. He strikes it and it falls with such a cry that he has to close his ears with his hands. Here again, I stopped. There could be no doubt. This time I did hear a distant sound, very much like the cry of the animal in the story. I tried to control myself so that my friend would see nothing of what I felt. I was not certain that he had heard the sound, although he had clearly changed in some way. He had slowly moved his chair so that I could not see him well. I did see that his lips were moving as if he were speaking to himself. His head had dropped forward, but I knew he was not asleep. 
for his eyes were open and he was moving his body from side to side. I began reading again and quickly came to a part of the story where a heavy piece of iron falls on a stone floor with a ringing sound. These words had just passed my lips when I heard clearly, but from far away, a loud ringing sound, as if something of iron had indeed fallen heavily upon a stone floor, or as if an iron door had closed. I lost control of myself completely and jumped up from my chair. Usher still sat, moving a little from side to side. His eyes were turned to the floor. I rushed to his chair. As I placed my hand on his shoulder, I felt that his whole body was trembling. A sickly smile touched his lips. He spoke in a low, quick, and nervous voice as if he did not know I was there. Yes, he said. I heard it. Many minutes, many hours, many days have I heard it. But I did not dare to speak. We have put her living in the vault. Did I not say that my senses were too strong? I heard her first movements many days ago, yet I did not dare to speak. And now that story, but the sounds were hers. Oh, where shall I run? She is coming, coming to ask why I put her there too soon. I hear her footsteps on the chairs. I hear the heavy beating of her heart. Here he jumped up and cried as if he were giving up his soul. I tell you, she now stands at the door. The great door to which he was pointing now slowly opened. It was the work of the rushing wind, perhaps, but no. Outside that door, a shape did stand, the tall figure in its grave clothes of the Lady Madeline of Usher. There was blood upon her white dress, and the signs of her terrible efforts to escape were upon every part of her thin form. For a moment, she remained trembling at the door. Then, with a low cry, she fell heavily in upon her brother, in her pain, as she died at last. She carried him down with her, down to the floor. He too was dead, killed by his own fear. I rushed from the room. I rushed from the house. I ran. The storm was around me in all its strength as I crossed the bridge. Suddenly, a wild light moved along the ground at my feet, and I turned to see where it could have come from. For only the great house and its darkness were behind me. The light was that of the full moon, of a blood-red moon, which was now shining through that break in the front wall, that crack which I thought I had seen when I first saw the palace. Then only a little crack. It now widened as I watched. A strong wind came rushing over me. The whole face of the moon appeared. I saw the great walls falling apart. There was a long and stormy shouting sound, and the deep black lake closed darkly over all that remained of the House of Usher. There you go. The end. I love how you're like, totally okay. <laughs> what? Dude. What? <laughs> uh, I feel yeah. like, I feel like I would definitely be, uh, well, we don't know the, the narrator's name, but no. him being like freaking out over the story uh-huh. and Roderick, you would be Roderick being like, yep, this is totally <laughs> this normal. Is normal. Good. This, this is, is normal. This is normal. It's good. Completely like unaffected. Well, okay. So what did? Okay, so let's let's un, let's un, let's. Here's unpack. the thing. My mom would love this, but I'm like so confused. I like I love this story, yeah. but have you read any other Poe besides? Well, this? the Telltale Heart yeah. forever ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I know. I mean, his this is like his other writing, right? Yeah. So I mean, his um, yeah. I mean, a lot of his short stories have this very much. Rarely are the 
narrators named, I feel like, but very much, very much a Poe story. Very classic Poe story. Crazy people. Crazy people. Or are they crazy? Mm-hmm. Right? No, don't start. Don't start. <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't know. It's well, one of those unreliable narrator type type deals. Not unreliable well, narrator, but unreliable I never think I... of until you mention it, because sometimes you watch shows that guy was like, that's an unreliable narrator. Well, I love it, but you, you really can't you know, trust a lot of it's... Not a lot of shows, but... Um, you know, you'll have you'll have shows or books or movies where you finish it and you're like, mm, I don't know if that's really what happened. Like you only have what they right. what, what the narrator is telling you, or you, you only have what anyway. So it's just really interesting. I wouldn't say maybe unreliable narrator here, but I would say unreliable characters in that. You know, uh, Usher burying his sister alive. I mean, and him knowing in a sense, well, or knowing after he? the fact. Or did he know what he was doing or did he not realize that she wasn't dead or, you know, it's all these or things. Or were they just all insane? <clears throat> well, that too. Also, I mean, the ending image, which is that the lake swallowed yeah. the house up. So like, was it all in the narrator's mind? The narrator seemed pretty stable up until <laughs> the <laughs> last page. He lost his mind. Yeah. And it's very different because I feel like the other story we read, it was almost trying to figure out the whole point. And this is kind of like trying to understand the characters. And it was interesting to me, because I don't remember, I'm trying to compare it to the other story, but like the three parts, because the beginning of every part kind of reiterated kind in of a slightly yeah. different way, summarized things that were already... The story, because I um, know... Go ahead. That, that it was slightly different. And I think if I went back for a second read, I would take notes and try to compare those intros, because he might have changed a, a, you know, a subtle word or something that would kind of hint as to what was coming next. So I thought that was really, really interesting. And as always... It's hard to not, even if you don't love the story, be engaged because it's yeah. such colorful language yeah, and not even colorful it's just, or descriptive. It's like, you just know. Yeah. The, the house, the rooms. Like you can see And everything. also how I think the narrator is feeling or when he describes other characters, it's almost, I don't know, it's very eerie. I don't think it I've is. ever read something quite like that yeah. this is a different type of spooky it's not so overt as the other story i would say it's more unsettling just kind of something's off but you're not sure what kind right because i think in the other one it was almost like the build-up was much greater you could hear mm-hmm. and it was a lot more like in your face yeah and this was super subtle and the parallel of like i'm like this would be me trying to like let's read a story and calm down and yeah. go through the night yeah and it's still being like you hear the echoes of the story like i think that's such an interesting concept mm-hmm. and it's something that probably a film would not do justice to, but something that would be very interesting yeah. to try to reiterate. It would be very, the, uh, I agree. I think it would be very difficult. I just looked up the, the other story we read was The Empty House by Algernon Blackwood um, that we mentioned in the last episode. But yeah, I feel like, I feel like The Empty House by Blackwood is more of um, a, I don't want to say classic because what does that even really mean when it comes to <laughs> horror? Because horror is, contrary to popular opinion, horror is a very ancient genre mm. um and they did back in the old timey times they did storytelling people who wrote horror um so well and i feel like it kind of got lost with and it being translated visual, into like movies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah and i know i talk about this all the time but yeah. it's just a genre that is just very hard to have a good horror story with really great narrative and characters and plot mm-hmm. um but um in the old timey times well, because I mean, there's no movies now with books that you're yeah. like, this book is great. And then when you think yeah. about the top horror movies of this year, 
I, I'm not very familiar with the, yeah. with the genre as you are, but like it's completely different because you get yeah. with special effects, people rely on that versus character Also, horror story. films are just really, uh, I wouldn't say reliant, but they're definitely subject to or prone to just like slasher films sometimes people mm. sometimes people don't they don't want the people who the demographic who a lot of times not all the time because i love horror films that have a narrative but a lot of times people will want to go see a horror film especially around this time of year like halloween or whatever mm. just for the thrill of it they want to be scared right they don't care about the narrative they right. don't care about the oh, plot the they, story. Don't, they just they don't care about the good story right. they just so people want are it. gonna make that yeah they just want a slasher film or something scarier or whatever but i really a jump scare yeah there are jump scares or whatever but i really enjoy horror for the sake of it's still a good story and so i think I think Poe does that so well in mm. all of his um in all of his whether it be a poem like The Raven. Right. I mean, The Raven is not a story, it's a poem, it's a long poem. It's I think five different parts, but um but it still builds like a story. Mm. And then even in that poem like you're not sure about the narrator, like he's obviously being plagued by this raven, but you're like what's going on like you're not sure you can't figure it out yeah you can't figure it out and um so i just think he does story in combination with horror really really well which is why i really really love poe and that's why everyone loves poe i mean he's a master Mm. of people he's the master of like suspense like he is like he knows or knew how to build suspense so well and um that's why i think everyone who goes through middle school and high school has read at least at least one one poe story because teachers use it to teach suspense to teach character to teach point of view Mm. he's just a very like classic guy to turn to to be like let's teach narrative okay let's teach character okay let's teach like it's like all the points he can can deliver a great story from start to finish yep and uh yeah i i definitely enjoyed this more not because i mean the language was still super understandable yeah like the ideas i feel like and i think it's also the time it was written again it's not that it was a bad story but we got tripped up on words. Yeah, um, Blackwood. I don't know when he wrote this, but I'd have to look it up. But it was a little bit different. This, it was like I could understand this if I was like ten years younger. Yeah, and just the way he like structured his sentences. Like again, I could go back and read certain mm-hmm. things, but I don't know. It was super engaging, super simple to the point, but you still have that like icky feeling. I don't know how to describe it. Yeah, but like when they buried her and they come back. And him, I think the most interesting part of it for me was when he was describing how he couldn't get sleep. Yeah. And he's like, oh, wait, this is what what he thinks is happening to him is the same that, you know, his friend is suffering from. Yeah. It's when it comes to things of the mind that isn't just a physical mm-hmm. scary thing, like in, he's just in his head. And I'm like, Oof, you get lost. Well, that's himself. also like, really interesting that Poe was able to do that as well because um, – it was obviously a time before people really knew anything about the psyche. Like mm, it was a that's time. A good point. So it's hard to create that when you don't understand it. Like it's hard to create like, um, like the mental horror as opposed to having a monster. You have the monster that's really like created by your own mind mm. or paranoia. But how do you do that when you don't really live in a time that understands it? It'd be like the same as it, you could almost categorize it as almost like science fiction because. I mean, I wouldn't, but you can mm-hmm. make that argument because it's the same as like, um, you know, George Orwell writing 1984 and he's trying to portray or trying to relay what's going to be happening in the year 1984 mm-hmm. with all this new quote unquote technology and stuff that doesn't exist in his time. That's why right. also science fiction is a really interesting genre. But it's like trying to explain like 
an airplane to Jane Austen. She it, doesn't it get it. Get. She doesn't understand. You have no. How would she? She's and a that's what ends up happening. Yeah, but you get Poe a story. takes that right. and is like, I'm gonna try my best to understand right. as well as relate to you how someone can be scared by their own mind, which is kind of the telltale heart. I mean, that's mm. pretty much the entire right, story. Right, right. Is this whole like um, paranoia aspect, um, which obviously it's not like paranoia just came about in the 21st century, but to describe it as someone in the 1840s they would understand it much differently then because now we have books and we have science and we have things explaining why someone would be paranoid and what causes paranoia. Mm -hmm. Like, so it's just really interesting to me that Poe, instead of writing about vampires or monsters, he was like, I'm going to create a monster called your brain. (laughs) Like, and so I just really, I really like that about him as well. And I think also what's just fantastic about it is that it's not direct although at some points he might be like my narrator is having this thought yeah most of the time you get what he's thinking by the way he's perceiving his environment Mm -hmm. perceiving the person next to him or when he looks out how he's dealing with the feeling he's having the feeling might not be spoken but he's telling his friend okay we're gonna read this book that nobody likes but (laughs) uh, you know or i'm hearing this in the distance but i'm ignoring it like that's a very normal internal dialogue yeah i feel like i i I mean i haven't read a whole lot of stories well i have especially teen teen fiction where i mean and it's fantastic but even there it's completely i love it (laughs) i can't get into that but you know you're in this teenage mind and they're kind of the author is giving you what they're thinking in a very direct way yeah um and there's nothing wrong with that it's super engaging also but what's different with this is that you can get a lot of the sense of the internal struggle and and the feelings he's going through by just how he's perceiving the environment around him and how he's reacting to it which i think is because i I got it well there was no lack of me understanding right what he was going through well that's also it's funny that you bring that up because that's also just a very common trope of gothic lit in general is that you have this very um the environment plays a, a big role which i think now creators of horror genres and science fiction and goth type of books and movies are starting to kind of flip on its head but um your environment is very much a huge part of gothic literature so mm-hmm. like you know, I mean, the classic, it was a dark and stormy night, which actually right. we don't get in this. We get stormy day, I yeah. think, at the very first line. But just that classic trope of it was a dark mm-hmm. and stormy night, gothic um, authors and writers would use quite a bit. And so Poe really uses it in this story as well. Like you're talking about the environment. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the house itself. I mean, that's the only, really the only setting we have is this house. And so obviously a creepy house is a very gothic trope. We even got that with the empty house by we Blackwood. We did, we did. And with the, with the, the lake house. and the dead trees reflected on yeah. the water. I was just like, Yeah, I that's gothic, it. right? And that's it's, not so even, it's, not, it's not super, like the tree, like dead trees. Yeah. That's not very, I think what you would learn in school, it's not very descriptive. But yeah. you get it. But you like understand what's, gaps, what, you understand. What, yeah, the feeling that he's trying to emote. But I, yeah. So it's just, it's very like classically goth. You have this really confined, the whole mm. story is very confined. The only time that you... I mean, he kind of glosses, the narrator kind of glosses over what they do during the day. He's like, oh, we paint and reread. But other than that, the narrator's in his bedroom by himself or he's down burying the sister, sister. who was actually alive. Um, she's confined. It was just like, it's almost like, in, especially in Gothic literature, this is also a trope where the house is kind of also a character mm. that entraps people. So um, the fact that for 12 pages we're just in this house is also a very... Um, 
it adds to it's the unsettling. feeling of yeah. the unsettlement, unsettling that you really, once again, really might not be able to put your finger on, but you're like, oh, I don't like this. I don't know why. I just don't. And it kind of reminds me of Dracula because Dracula is a little bit the same where um, the main character <laughs> goes to Dracula's castle and all of a sudden he's he can't leave. And it's mm. a very trapped feeling, even though you're in this big castle or this big house, yeah. just being able to not be able to leave makes it claustrophobic. And so I think, you know, I don't, I've never experienced going somewhere yeah. not being able to leave but i can't right. imagine that would feel really great even mm. if you have all this space to move around in it's like yeah but the fact that i can't go anywhere is or when you think and also the fact that by the end he does what any other normal human being would do and he runs away and yeah. you're like okay we're, we're moving we're doing something here but the fact that like but that's he's where, still that's trapped where the in his story mind ends, though that's where the story ends but yeah. he's still trapped in his mind yeah. he sees the house get swallowed up by the lake but he's still he's carried that fear with him mm -hmm. like it it in a sense you could even say it wasn't the house in the end like yeah it's in your mind yeah which is the whole thing 100%. super creepy i yeah. don't know i mean when you talk about it in literary classes like yeah. what what's the big point is it is um, it that like just how yeah well is? usually this story especially is definitely used to talk about like gothic uh, oh, the general. gothic genre in, gen in general just because it has all those really classic i mean all of Poe's pieces fall within um, that yeah. Not necessarily gothic, okay. but horror. But this, mm. Yeah. Um, even when Poe was writing about love, it, it still ended horribly, <laughs> which is reflective of his life Poor because po. he was, he, he was, yeah. I mean, back in the 1840s, it wasn't too much of a big deal, but, um, you know, he, he was, he was, he, he would talk about love and it would be one of those things that you're like, oh, this is gonna be a great poem. And it would I'm end tragically because his life, he was in love with his cousin and then she died. And so all this kind of stuff, once again, this was normal in the 1840s. <laughs> as, uh, kind of normal. But anyway, so. But reflective of that. Yes. Yeah. So definitely, definitely one of those things that you, uh, you wish that, <laughs> you wish that uh, maybe it had happier endings, but because of Poe's life, most of his stories didn't um, have super happy endings, but it was it always made for a really fantastic story, and that's why Poe has endured for the past two hundred years. And I, he's one of my favorite authors. I really, really love him, and I love this story. You could talk about the story for a very long time because it has a lot of good stuff in it. Like, it, you know, why did he bury his sister? Did he actually think she was dead? Was he faking it all? Because and now he just got another accomplice. It's not like the narrator knew. The narrator, mm -hmm. he, because I think in the story. Uh, Roderick Usher goes to him and says, oh, my sister died. Yeah. We should bury her. But and let's like, do it okay. this way because of these reasons. All these reasons. Yeah. And then you look back and like, I don't know, you take it at point blank, like just like, oh, yeah, I'll agree with this person. And then you're like, wait, you look back on it and you're like, uh, maybe not. Yeah. I don't know. Super trippy. It is. Trippy. I really enjoyed that though. Yeah. I that was a a, that was a fun read. Super engaging. We hope you liked it too. That was our scary story. Uh, and enjoy... Oh, we have to talk about it. What? We usually release, release it the day before Thanksgiving. What? This episode. Oh, yeah. On oh, Thursday. yeah. So, it's so enjoy. So I think we'll still do that this year. And we hope you have a lovely Thanksgiving. And next week, it is our favorite episode of like the whole thing. Oh, yeah. Binge time. So nice. watch all the shows because we probably have watched it also and we're going to talk about it. So it's the most important that you can catch next week. Obviously. You'll <laughs> find out all we do is watch TV. I'm screaming. It's good. Um, but we do hope you have a lovely Thanksgiving. Follow us on Instagram. Maybe we'll post a happy Thanksgiving post there. Yep. Feel good about your life. Yep. Enjoy time with your family. That you've made it through another year of this thing we call uh, life, apparently. And um, apparently we're apparently. all still here. So. And uh, we will see you next week. We'll see you in the next one. <laughs> Bye. Bye.